This episode of the Mother Loving Future Show is brought to you by Amber Lestrange and Jenna Penrose with JMO 5000 Productions. Welcome to the Mother Loving Future Show, everyone. Hi, guys. Hi. Hey. Hey. And hey to all all those ladies and gents out there. Hi. Mm -hmm. Hopefully some gents are listening. Yeah, that would be fun. That would be good for the ladies. That would bode well for the ladies. Hey, ladies. (laughs) We have an incredible guest on today. I'm really excited to explore this topic. This is one of the topics that I wish I looked into a little bit more before my journey into motherhood. So hopefully today will enlighten those who are going into this period or are in this period um, on, yeah, the best way to survive postpartum motherhood. It is survival mode. Yes. It is, but it doesn't have to be. No, If you go in prepared with a plan... Chances are you you may come out and survive it. You know, you may come out on the other end. True, especially if you listen to this episode. So, <laughs> okay. So before we get into it, um, I would love Jenna to share with us a review. Ooh, a because, review. Yes, because we have incredible supporters and people in our community out there that just put five minutes aside, even two minutes aside to write us a little review to support us in our endeavor. And we want to give you a shout out. Thank you so, for that, guys. Thank you so much. We appreciate you. All right. So here's today's review. Magical and thought provoking. Love, love, love the MLF. I've been searching for podcasts recently and that really get my thoughts going and also inspire me in the day life, in my day life, sorry, as a yoga teacher slash personal relationships slash spirituality. Jenna and Amber have created all of this and more. I am so grateful I stumbled upon it. Keep spreading the love and magic MLF. Love, Mincy. <laughs> Mincy, we love Thank you. Thank you, Mincy. Such a sweetie. You're such a legend. We love you. We Amazing. feel like you're with us. Thank you. Okay, so before I introduce our incredible guest. Who has an incredible name. Oh my gosh, we're oh, obsessing thanks. over your name. <laughs> Let's just hope we pronounce it properly. Yeah, we, um, we want to give a shout out to this episode's sponsor. So this week's episode is sponsored by Avocado, which is an eco-friendly, non-toxic green conscious brand, which both Jenna and I personally use and love. Now, I want to start off by telling you guys, we only, only, only share brands on our podcast, which we have done a lot of research into and personally vet. So this is kind of an opportunity for us to spread the word on products and companies which are top of the top of the top when it comes down to conscious brands. Mm -hmm. So yeah, really excited to have Avocado on board. It's an all organic, all natural mattress brand made in California. With vegan options. That's huge. And these mattresses are honestly the most comfortable, incredible mattresses and pillows I've ever had. So I'm happy to share the news. Yeah. And we are offering you a discount for your own avocado mattress in the show notes. We have a discount code. And well, I think you're going to get 100 or $150 off mm-hmm. your mattress. I think it's 100 bucks. Cool. Okay, amazing. So without further ado, we would like to introduce this week's guest on our topic, the postpartum roller coaster with doula McLean McGowan. Um, And I would love to introduce you. McLean is a postpartum doula. She's a prenatal and postnatal yoga, Pilates and meditation teacher, nutritionist, lactation educator, counselor, death doula, Reiki practitioner, crystal worker, and motherhood guide living in Los Angeles. And 
Most importantly, on top of all of that, mother of two with an extremely fresh little one. Yes. Wow. Extremely fresh little one? Mm-hmm. She just turned one. <gasps> I know. That's you crazy. are one busy lady. I am. How the heck did you make it here to talk to us for an hour today? Because I'm so excited. This is what I love, (laughs) talking to women about everything birth and postpartum. So thank you for having me. Oh my gosh, it's such an honor. For not only being here, but doing what you do and putting this work out into the world is so important. It's it's huge. It's a calling. And I have just a little bit more shout out for you. Um, (laughs) So McLean, after the birth of your first daughter, you quickly realized that there was a great need for women to be supported on a deeper level. Yes. (laughs) Not only through pregnancy and birth, but also during the postpartum shift. Through her own postpartum journey with little support, I I feel your girlfriend. She made it her mission to show up for other women as the kind of loving support that she wished she had. We love you. So blessed. You are an angel to all women out there. Everyone needs you in their back pocket to pull out in times like this. Thank you. I get teary just even hearing those words because it's so poignant for all of us, you know? Mm. And even if you birthed 10 years ago, it's like those feelings are still right there mm-hmm. and even after to, a lot of processing yeah i mean <laughs> a lot of therapy mm-hmm. totally i completely agree <laughs> wow yeah yeah birth is no joke yeah. i mean just the transition into motherhood is so life-changing it's hard to ever shake that um you know the the initial impact it has on your body your life your relationships it does stick with you forever i can go mm-hmm. back to that moment in a millisecond mm-hmm. my yeah. birth Definitely something you'll never forget. Mm -mm. That's for sure. Jenna, do you want to hit us with the definition of today's topic? Yeah. So today's topic is the postpartum roller coaster. And this is my definition. You may think the hard part of having a baby comes in pregnancy, labor, or birth. However, one of the most challenging parts of birthing a child comes in the postpartum period. Also called the fourth trimester, these early days of new parenthood can take you on a roller coaster of emotions due to things like crazy hormonal fluctuations, very little sleep, and taking care of a newborn 24-7, all while healing from the birth itself. In today's world of isolated family units, moms can feel alone and helpless during this time. Mm, and that's when McLean steps in. That's when you call McLean. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think we should start with all of us sharing a little bit about our postpartum experiences? Yeah, totally. That sounds great. All right. Do you, um, who who think, wants to kick I off? McLean should kick yeah, off. Yeah, girl. I think so. Right. Well, the first postpartum was with my daughter who just turned seven last year. So wow. a lot in the birth community and our education and what we know now has changed greatly in seven years. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I'd been steeped in like the natural birth world for a while, but... And I think someone had mentioned a postpartum doula and I just, it didn't compute. Mm -hmm. And I was very, very stubborn and I've always had a hard time reaching out for help. And so that manifested greatly. My husband went to work the next day after birth. He's in the film industry. So, you know, when it's on, it's on. And my body, I mean, everything felt pretty normal. I just didn't really know what wasn't normal. So I was young, I was 32 And I healed pretty quickly physically, but mentally, emotionally, it hit me a year and a half later. Mm. So I was driving two days later, um, 
she had tongue tie, which I didn't know at the time. So she ate every 45 minutes around the clock. Why does every baby have tongue tie? I know. So that's a whole other that's thing we can talk to. Okay, okay. But because my second one had it too, and I handled oh, it my, completely yeah. differently. Great. But um, it basically, and then we were traveling a ton. We were going to Europe, we are going to Japan. I mean, on a plane every two, three months just because I didn't really know better. And my baby was fine and perfect, but I was just so depleted and exhausted. And I had postpartum anxiety, which I had no idea about. I wasn't eating. You know, I lost a lot of weight. I wasn't sleeping. I really didn't sleep through the night probably for three years. And she was sleeping 12 hours a night at six months on. So it, wow. was, it was within me. Interesting. Yeah. And um, so when I got pregnant with my second, which she was a, a surprise, which is All so happy she's here. Are. I know. It, <laughs> like, that was a very interesting story. We conceived her on my seven-year wedding anniversary. What? So Powerful. Was, I know, which it was really an interesting, interesting journey. But um, I knew if I was ever to do this again, it would be a 180. And I just told my husband... Prepare to throw money at me. I don't, no <laughs> questions, just I'm getting all the things, all the help. And because when I also had her, I was almost 40. So it was just, I knew how important it was. Mm-hmm. Um, because obviously after Jemima, my oldest, I got into this work. This is what called me to this work is because there's so much birth prep. And then I had my daughter and my family's not here. And I was like, um, now what? Like, where is this help? Where are my people? Mm-hmm. And so it was a total calling. I mean, how, how, how did you transition from being depleted after birth with your first to like coming into this calling? I know we're going to get back to your second birth. Yeah. Too. Well, that's a good question because I still feel honestly like it's a work in progress. Um, I did therapy. More than that, though, I went to naturopaths. I went to my chiropractor, who's more of even an energy healer. He does both. So I work with him a lot, meditation, yoga, and then really um, addressing my adrenal fatigue through supplements and diet and trying to slow down more because a lot of it is cognitive behavior of knowing this is how I run. I tend to run a little bit more anxious. I like being etheric. Motherhood grounds you, mm-hmm. as we know, but I like to be in the ethers. Mm-hmm. I, Me too. Yeah. I mean, the mundane daily stuff is not my jam. Mm-hmm. And that adrenalizes you. And I love that feeling. And I can just drink tea all day. You know, I have to make myself kind of sit down for meals. And that's been part of it too. Uh, mm-hmm. If it's lunchtime, I actually have to eat. Mm-hmm. Um so it's been more of those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And I still am doing it now after now the second one, after mm-hmm. postpartum this time around. And it's a process. I'm much more into Ayurveda now, the healthier fats. I hated ghee for years, and now I'm making myself eat ghee. <laughs> um, just things like that. Mm-hmm. How So if we're going to compare your first postpartum experience to your second postpartum experience, applying all the things you wish you had known Mm -hmm. at first, how speedy was your recovery process? It was incredible. I mean, it was, it was night and day, the difference. Wow. Because this time around, I truly committed to the 40 days. I only left my house to go to a doctor's appointment for the baby. And again, I was almost 40 and my healing was so fast. I mean, I had a home birth this time, which was my dream of dreams. And it all aligned for it to happen this time. And Are all the so rumors that was true? Second time around, did she just pop out? No. <laughs> <laughs> See? See? There's never one truth around There's birth. There's never one ever. truth. And 
when it was on, it was on, and she was out in about three hours, but I had early labor for 20 hours. And so my midwife, who I love, I'm going to shout out Davy Kalsa because I adore her so much. She um, she came to my house four times that day because we thought second time mom, it's just it's going to happen. It's mm-hmm. going to be rearing, and it wasn't. And so I walked two miles. I went to the chiropractor. Ate that salad in the valley that they say. You know, I did that with the first one. <laughs> did it work? No. What Mm-mm. is that? I don't it's know. Like but it's walnuts the and then it's the cheese. None of either. I don't like. I don't like either one of those. Uh, yeah. So it doesn't really work for me. Okay, but I did get that. It. <laughs> Pineapple. Pineapple. I did a lot of dates. Mm, it's sex to help. Yeah, I mean, everyone's <laughs> always like, do the sex. You know, sex, sex, yeah. sex. And I just we did, but not those last couple of days. I was just like, Ugh. don't touch me. I'm going to punch yeah. you. In yeah, the head. I just it felt it felt like forced. laborious to both of us. Yeah, it felt really forced. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to do that. So. Yeah, walking. I mean, I'm a big proponent of walking mm-hmm. every day throughout your pregnancy. Mm-hmm. I did three to five miles almost every day. Helps the wow. baby drop, right? Really helps. Okay. And so when it turned, I mean, it was fast. It was very fast once I started opening. And so, so you mentioned the forty day. Oh, yeah. Sorry, going back. So to that. yeah. So where does that philosophy come from? It's rooted in ancient traditions of Ayurveda. It's really all over the world. Okay. So it's India for sure. The Ayurveda world. Um, the other big country is China that still uses it a lot. I mean, if you look through most traditions around the world, Japan, Indonesia, everyone kind of has their own things. I think Central um, America, like Europe, Mexico. Yes, yes yeah. big time. All the ancient tribes who knew their stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> who basically were tapped in. Because it makes this. sense. Mm-hmm. That's the thing is once I teach my clients about it, Everyone goes, of course, this is, I mean, what are we even talking about? Of course, this is how it should be. Yeah, just and our modern just day so society removed. doesn't mm-hmm. allow that as an option. We don't even consider it. Yeah. So the way that I really work with my clients is modernizing it. So it doesn't have to be this super strict tradition, or it can be if that feels really great to you, but you can modernize it. You can make it work for your family and your lifestyle, but it's, um, it's the awareness about it. So with my 40 days... And I, I kind of thought I'd be climbing the walls after six weeks, and I did not want it to end. It was my womb space. I had my salt lamp. Mm. My daughter was at school. My husband was at work, and then he would pick her up early and have her for the afternoon. They had really special bonding time. So I was just in the house with my baby, mm. resting, nursing. I didn't Luxury. have all that anxiety second time around. I knew she would be fine. And having the home birth where I didn't have to come home from a hospital. Oh, the best the best. I took a shower. I got in my clean clothes, in my clean bed, oh. food and tea. My One of my closest friends was my doula. And it was just this magic. Is a dream birth. This yeah. is a dream. It was. Yeah. I mean, it was, and I do not take that for granted. And, you know, we can do all of the preparedness and all the work and we still don't ever know how it's going to go. Especially with birth. Yeah. I mean, birth and death. It's, those are the mystery. two big ones. Yeah. So, you know, I don't, I don't sit here being like, well, I did all the work, so this is what I manifested because I don't, I think it's a part of it, but there's so many other magic aspects mm-hmm. to birth. Mm-hmm. So what are the rules of align. the 40 days? Do you have to lie flat or do you just have to abstain from the usual routine you're in, which is cooking, cleaning, sending off to school, all that yeah. stuff? Like what are the, what does it look like? So it's a little different for every woman, but I did not want to drive. I did not want to cook much. I didn't want to clean. Um, I really tried to be in my bed horizontal with the baby whenever she was sleeping. I was sleeping. I was listening to podcasts. I was meditating a lot. I meditated so much. 
Because you could just have the earbuds or the headphones when she's sleeping and I do guided meditations or play the gong and just go out. I mean, it was so luxurious. Oh, and it felt I know. I know. I, mean, like I really mourned it. Last week, I was like, I just want to go back. And when my girlfriends would come over and they would lie in bed with me and they were just like, wow. Because we never amazing. give ourselves permission to do this at any other point in our we lives. We don't. Mm-hmm. We feel guilty. Isn't it crazy yeah. that we feel guilty for just being for a, a, and allowing space and time to for those massive transitions to be sacred and intentional and ceremonial? We, we don't just don't give ourselves space for transitions mm-hmm. ever. We don't. Oh, it's incredible it's that you simple. gave yourself I that. I mean, it's so simple. It's just what you just said, allowing mm. it to happen. And a girlfriend who's also a doula... Um, she had told me a couple of months before I gave birth, she had her fourth baby. And she said, this was the greatest gift I ever gave myself. And I, it really struck me. And she I was, was speaking like, to the 40 days? Yes. Yeah. And I said, oh my God, I want that. I want that. Because she lives in a lot of chaos and she's one of those people that's great with chaos. I am not great with chaos. And I... I've always wondered how does she do it energetically, but her midwife, because she was 40 this time, and her midwife said, this is not even, this is not a choice. You have to. And that's a really important key aspect of the 40 days is it's not just, oh, my six weeks or even what it's going to look like three months or six months. This is actually a commitment for your next 40 years of your life. So in India, they say the first 40 days determines your next 40 years. So it's menopause. It's what's happening with your pelvic floor in 40 years. You know, are you peeing yourself? Are, you know, what are your hormones doing during menopause? So it's, that's why I'm so passionate about this because it's it's not just right here. It's, an it's investment. for the rest of your life. It's an investment, mm-hmm. investment. to your health for the rest mm-hmm. of your 100%. life. 100%. So in those 40 days, you're telling me that one's body just regenerates at a quicker speed more so than it would any other, it can, at any other because you're this frame. open portal. Mm-hmm. And an acupuncturist told me, before I had Goldie, my, my Goldie Wolf, my second one, she oh, said... Great names. Of course you. your kids had to have great you. names with your name. She, um, she said, and it was kind of just a little remark, and I was like, whoa, go back. That is incredible that you just said that, that after birth, you do have the potential to be healthier than you ever have been. That happened to me. It reset my entire hormonal um, system. Hormonal system. Wow. It did. It's incredible. And after breastfeeding as well, everything seemed to, I mean, during my pregnancy, I felt the healing happening. I felt with the new hormones coming in, that extra life force yeah. energy in my system, it got regenerated to a wow. certain level, which I hadn't felt in a long time. And then after my birth, I felt because a baby had grown so much and pushed my organs out of their space after I gave birth and when I was breastfeeding and my whole body was shrinking back, it was, it was almost as if my organs got reset back mm. in the place that they were meant to be, but mm. they hadn't quite been. They were a little bit out of connection with each other even. Wow. Everything got reset for me. Birth That's was amazing. like, yeah, it totally transformed my health, health. I love that because it's, you know, we sometimes think of pregnancy and birth being done to us mm-hmm. and it's just, it's Especially part when it's of a surprise. Journey. Yes. I suffered with that big time. Being like, I didn't choose this, which clearly I unconsciously chose that, um, the birth. But the idea of something so massive happening to you without you consciously calling it in can be really, 
really yeah, big. It's jarring. <laughs> yeah, it's jarring mm-hmm. because you almost, for me, I wanted to prepare and do it a certain way and call it in and be intentional, prepare my body and do things before I was pregnant with my husband. And mm-hmm. it can be big. But the moment I felt I realized I could accept it and claim it, it completely transformed the whole journey of pregnancy. It became the biggest blessing in my life. And I love that. Can I just interject as well? Like some, maybe some of the healing can happen through the emotional processing that happens through pregnancy. Oh yeah, because you tend to like get down to the root mm-hmm. of things, process through things so because much. you have to. So that can also regenerate and heal your body. You know, massively. Yes. I got such so an intense calling to heal my inherited wounds or the wounds that I hadn't yet dealt with or distracting myself from for my whole life, really. Mm-hmm. And I knew that it was Valentine's spirit being like. I am inheriting a squeaky clean as possible (laughs) DNA, emotional body, physical body. You better get your shit in order. So I'm like, what better fuel do I have to clean out whatever energetic, physical blockages I have than for the sake of your child? It's it's brilliant. Such an activator. And I think what you were just saying too is all the work, you know, all the work we do throughout our life is leading us to a more positive place, right? So all the work you do, preconception, mm-hmm. even if you don't even have a baby in your mind, all that work is not mm-hmm. just an exercise. It's really for something. All the work you do pregnant, you know, you can do the most massive spiritual work of your life when you're pregnant totally. because sometimes we happen. need that other being mm. to allow that space to happen because we were like, okay, this this buck needs to stop here of this kind of behavior from mm. my lineage. Totally. And, you know, we're healing ourselves mm-hmm. because we're putting our baby first and yeah. so mm-hmm. doing, you know, it's that symbiotic relationship. Totally. It's easier to totally. say you're doing it for someone else exactly. than you for yourself. You have that deadline too yes. of like this yes. fresh new life is coming in the world. I got to do yes. it. Yeah, yeah. The, the urgency kicks mm-hmm. in. Yeah. That's true. Okay, so the 40 days, tell us about, is there a specific diet that helps support so, the 40-day yes. theory? Different traditions have different foods. So I tend towards the Ayurvedic lifestyle. Um, I'm usually vegan, but I did introduce ghee and I do do honey, so vegetarian. Um, But even if you aren't those things, the Ayurvedic lifestyle and diet postpartum is predominantly vegetarian because it's easier to digest. So you get a lot of protein from legumes and you do a lot of cooked soups, stews, nothing hard, nothing cold, nothing raw. Hmm. Um, it's really, it's almost like pre-digested as you can be. Hmm. So soupy oatmeals, stewed fruit, everything to envelop Easily your body digested. more. Yes. So, so your energy geez. isn't going on digesting the food, it's going exactly. to healing. Right? Exactly. exactly. So that can be tough for a lot of LA people that do a ton of <laughs> cold like, oh, juices and raw. smoothies. And or burgers. And raw, well, yeah. Burgers and fries. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, that, yes. <laughs> that too. That too. But they don't listen to our podcast, but we live on right, the guys? Side, so it's more the juice. green juice. We don't yeah. know those people. Yeah. Jokes. So I'll be like, you know, keep your green juice on the counter for a couple of hours or, you know, things like that. But from <laughs> LA the, postpartum. Yeah, exactly. So from the Ayurvedic perspective, because we all have different doshas, three different doshas, we're a mix of them, but every woman postpartum is vata imbalanced. Mm. So it makes it pretty easy. Because you just treat for that. Mm. So it's warm soups, stews, like I said, teas, tonics. Doesn't um, matter what season it is, even no. if it's in the middle of summer. Yes, even if it's the middle of summer. Keeping socks on, covered up, 
um, not letting your hair be wet. So mm. like after do an Abhyanga massage and the oil on the head, wash and then dry the hair. So you never want to catch a cold. So it's mm-hmm. an energetic cold and it's also physical. And mm. is this because you're so blasted open? Mm-hmm. You're physically open and obviously energetically open. You need to, all these foods are helping you ground and close. Yeah. Is that so the- you're, yes, exactly. Your space, your etheric you're open. So when you've had this bundle, this heater, you know, the baby growing, your warmth, you're very pitta, and then that's gone. And so you're an empty, spacey vessel, basically. So, mm. you know, we are mentally, obviously, as we all know here, that postpartum, you're on another planet. I mean, oh my you are gosh. The, in the etheric realm. Yeah, mm-hmm. big time. And I can imagine staying indoors for that time frame while you are so blasted open is would protect you from being open to too many other energies, intense yes. energies out there yes. because that's when you do catch colds or yeah. pick up on other people's stuff or whatever it may be. Totally. You're a raw nerve postpartum mm-hmm. yeah. in all ways. And so that's, what's great about the Abhyanga. We're literally covering that nerve in oil to protect it. So uh, Wait, tell it's us like, about that. So the Abhyanga is the oil. It's an oil treatment. It's similar to massage, but you don't do deep massage. You basically are just kind of like this. I'm showing on the belly or all, all over, over the body, all over the She's body. Just softly rubbing her arm for yeah, up and down. Can't see her <laughs> <laughs> flat strokes. So it's very calming to that vata energy of the mm. mind. And is it specific it's essential oils or is it plain carrier oil? Coconut it, oil. It depends. You can do coconut oil. Um, the Ayurvedic practitioners and the lineage is more sesame oil because mm. it's so thick. Mm-hmm. And you can add essential oils sometimes with my clients I do, or you can just do straight up heated sesame oil. Sometimes I do almond oil. It kind of depends on the situation. Mm-hmm. And you can get, um, if you have an Ayurvedic practitioner, they can get special medicated oils oh, wow. for different issues you might be having. But it's amazing. I mean, even doing self-abhyanga is great for your nervous system or doing a head massage for 10 minutes with warm oil mm. at oh, night. Gosh. I mean, it really is incredible. I just feel like getting pregnant just to get this type of treatment. I know, <laughs> like, I know. I'll rub it's your head worth over. getting knocked up just so I can lie in bed for 40 days and get massages. I know. Well, you know what? You could do your 40 days even without a baby. I mean, that's a whole other conversation I want to yeah. have with people is how to heal wherever you yeah. are. Oh my god. So gosh. I want to start offering that actually. So yes. I get anxious thinking really about good. like thinking about <laughs> taking a day off makes me a little anxious, but 40 days? I would have to it's remove intense. myself to a deserted island in the Bahamas. That's the only way I could do it. That sounds nice. Yeah, that is something. Well, really we could nice. arrange it. It's true. Retreat style 40 days. Wow. Okay, so yeah, great. I did the food and you know, since I am a postpartum doula, it was easy because I could prep a lot and then I knew exactly what I needed from different people. And I really I'm a very introverted person. So I didn't want a lot of help around me. I just wanted to be with the baby sleeping. Mm-hmm. And so I would have a friend come for maybe two hours or bring the food already cooked, make me a bowl of soup and then leave that kind of so thing. So I just want to interject. Give me my Is soup and leave. Post, so <laughs> I <Pretty> only... Not so fear. Leave it on my doorstep. Um, so... Uh, where I'm most familiar with doulas and midwives, I, I never really heard much about postpartum doulas or death doulas mm-hmm. or any other style of doulas. So would your 
uh, postpartum doula be a different person to your birthing doula? Yes, usually. Some do both, but it is a different energy. Mm -hmm. So most women like to do one over the other. Mm -hmm. And then even if you do like to do both, logistically, it's very hard to do that because if you have hours scheduled postpartum, but then you have birth clients, you never know what's Mm -hmm. happening. Mm -hmm. So... Some people do, or they'll be the birth doula and then the post, just kind of client per client. But I'm a, I am trained to be a birth doula, but that is not my calling. The niche for me is the postpartum because I think it's such a need and mm-hmm. it's more my energy. I'm mm-hmm. not good. I need sleep. I'm not good being called during the night. Mm-hmm. I have two kids now. I mean, that's just not my yeah, thing. doesn't suit the so, lifestyle. And I love working with pregnant moms through yoga, meditation, getting them prepped, but then... I give them over to the loving hands of a birth doula. Mm -hmm. So postpartum doulas can start the process when the mom's pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it depends on how people work, but I love to work with some of my clients during their pregnancy as well. If not, I come when they get home from the hospital or after the birth if they're at home. So can you step us through the exact role of a postpartum doula? Yes. It's a wide umbrella. So I always encourage people that are interviewing postpartum doulas to interview a couple to see who resonates with you because everyone works a little bit differently. My business is mother the mother. So my focus is on the mom. I love babies, but if I come to work and I don't ever touch the baby during a work day, that's cool with me because I know how much the mom needs and that's why I'm there. Amazing. So yeah. I wish I had you as my postpartum doula. Me too. Well, I'm I, just like looking at my machine. schedule being like, right, I will <laughs> coordinate my pregnancy around when you're available. <laughs> it really is. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, all the help is amazing. However doulas are showing up is perfect and we all need all the help. A lot of the time it's usually, I mean, traditionally I can imagine that role was the mother, like your mm-hmm. mother or exactly. my mother mm-hmm. in the tribe or the auntie, yes. the women of mm-hmm. your family would step in and you would have multiple postpartum doulas. Yes. One making the food, one massaging mm-hmm. you, one watching the kid. Like, exactly. Oh, you're yeah. right. And I would love to <laughs> wow. speak to that if I can really quickly. Yes, is please. One thing I do talk in depth with my clients about when they're making their 40 days plan is who really brings positive energy that's calming. So (laughs) So maybe not your mother. So maybe not your mother, maybe not your mother-in-law. And those are big discussions and hurdles to go through Mm -hmm. of really taking this time to be quote unquote selfish about what you need in your little bubble of the 40 days. It's incredible because everyone told me to do this for my birth because my birth was at home and I could kind of control Mm -hmm. the environment. But I, for the life of me, didn't consider applying the same rules and planning to my postpartum. This is so brilliant that you're giving this information. We don't have the modeling, you know. So back in the day, of course, birth wasn't so scary, first of all, because we were all watching it in our villages, our moms having tons of babies, our aunties, you know, birth was not this foreign thing. Mm -hmm. Same with postpartum. You had the dishes, you knew the things, everyone circled around. So now not even, you know, even if our mothers are amazing and want to be here and care for us on such a deep level, they don't necessarily have the knowledge because they didn't have it and their mothers didn't have it mm-hmm. and their mothers didn't have it and so their mothers didn't have it. It's so sad we've lost that wisdom. It's so sad. Is that because we're not living in community like we used to? Mm-hmm. And our system, especially in the U.S., 
the past 200 years, our birth has not been empowered. We've handed our power birth. over. Mm-hmm. We've handed yeah. our power over to mm-hmm. doctors and the system. Because they better. Mm-hmm. Well, right. sometimes they do. I, I don't want to bag on doctors. but So I think I do. with this. <laughs> Jenna, on the like, other hand, will <laughs> go for it. Um, no, it's not. such a complicated <laughs> topic because there's so many layers to of all course, of this, obviously. Of but, you know, I do feel like in the healing, I mean, I really felt when I gave myself this healing, it was healing my ancestors and the women in my family because they didn't get it either. And so it's just deep. It's really deep work. And also your daughters, right? Mm-hmm. Two, daughters. Two daughters. And also your daughters just setting an example so even if you know they don't they can't really comprehend it now they can feel you giving yourself the space to heal and recuperate and making that yeah. a priority and that's you and know that's they're representing self love yes. yeah and now they have seen it and lived it and felt it mm-hmm. and so it won't be foreign it'll be in an, an imprint in their psyche in yeah. some way so you're passing it down that yeah. the knowledge is being awakened again what's great you're representing that's i know cool. sure they Thank chose you, you for <laughs> a good reason Wow. Okay. So I, the I had doula. another question around yeah. that, um, you know, not letting people who don't bring that good energy mm-hmm. in the 40 days. I'm sure that there's a lot of conflict, can be a lot of conflict around that. Oh, like, yes. I know. So, would you have advice? You know, what would you tell your clients if their mother in law was super pushy and like really was trying to come in? But Everyone thinks it's to... their baby, don't they? Yeah. Like the mothers, the grandmas yeah. thinks it's their, it, they, yeah. it almost feels as though it's their child. Like, how do you explain it to like a pushy family member that really wants to get in there? Get the husband to tell them. (laughs) I like to talk to the couple if Mm. I can, because all this is harder because it's even more foreign to men to hear a lot of this because they've never had to think about any of these things, generally speaking. Um, And they're kind of just like, the more the merrier. We need the help. It's great. So having those conversations as early as you can during pregnancy Mm. really, really helps. I think having the excuse of the 40 days and here's literature and mm-hmm. you can start emailing your family about this now mm-hmm. and really owning it and even saying, you know, especially if it's fall or winter, you can say, my doctor really says we can't have visitors because of the flu. Mm-hmm. You know, there are all these things mm-hmm. that you can nice. kind of add in mm-hmm. because a lot of times when people hear doctor, they're like, oh they're yeah, like, of course, we're following those orders. Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So yeah, that's good. That's good. That's advice. one way to do it. And so then start early and start early. I mean, that's key. I feel like with everything, and then some of it's just you got to be ballsy. I mean, mm-hmm. you're becoming the masthead of your family mm-hmm. as the mother and yeah, tap that, into mama that mama bear, lion. Yeah, hundred percent. And you know, making boundaries is not comfortable for us, but it's really not comfortable to the people around us that are used to kind of pushing us around. Yeah. And it's yeah. really not comfortable to not stick by your boundaries. Yes, Like the exactly. repercussions of not following through with your boundaries are you far know. more worse. So much guilt yeah. and just that anxiety. And mm. and just also just staining the yeah. most precious It's so precious moments. that time. Moments, yeah. yeah. Even my mom this time, who I'm very close with, she didn't come out till like two and a half weeks after. And looking back, it's weird. I realized I didn't even talk to her for like a week after Goldie Wolf was born. I was just so in it and didn't really want to share that much and just wanted to be really calm. And it was so lovely to be able to have that support from her with no drama, no resentment. She was just kind of like, I'll talk to you and I'll talk to you. That's amazing. I remember feeling like that's what I wanted because it gives, you're trying to uh, like rehab your energy. What I'm trying to say, like rebuild your energy. So like talking to people and having lots of conversations that just puts it out. You're leaking it out. Leaking it out. Yeah. Yeah. 
So it's funny we all feel yeah. so obliged to, you know, be a certain way for others in our life. And we were discussing this role where some of us don't shake the roles that we grew up with in our family, like mm-hmm. the mother oh, and yeah. the daughter role. You can yeah. stay with that for your whole life, even though you've both transitioned into women and you're more friends or equals. You can still cower and become a little girl when you're in the space with your mother. Totally. And that can just, it's, it's, it's actually an incredible opportunity to recreate the roles and claim yourself as who you want to be and what roles you want in your life. hundred percent. I love that you said that. And just from my two births, having really seen doing it both ways, even with my mother being there, my mother not being there. And I'm so close with my mother, but I do think that's a beauty of having a second child is just not caring so much what (laughs) other people think. I really just didn't. Awesome. Yeah. That's the mama in you. Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. So 40 days is feeling good. I wish I did that. I probably did 10 days. Mm -hmm. It's great because I just didn't, I wasn't tapped in to this concept enough to plan around it. I wish that I had, as I was planning for my birth, I also put a time, a time aside to plan for my postpartum because you said it's, it's equally as important. If you don't allow yourself to recover, you could be suffering from that depletion you know, for the rest of your life. Yeah. I, I mean, I really feel it's just as important as the birth prep, if not more. I mean... Integration is everything. It's both. I mean, of course we want all of it because one feeds into the other, but it's just so important, the healing after. <sighs> you can have a dream birth and still you're you're totally depleted. And like you said, 40 years later, you're like peeing yourself. Yeah. You're wearing a diaper. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah. don't want that. No. Is that a segue into your experience, Jenna? My postpartum experience. Yeah, I definitely pee, I peed myself when I sneezed for a few months after post after. And trampoline and sneezing, I heard of the two. I never did the <laughs> Once trampoline. Once get you, thing, but okay. definitely um, sneezed and peed. But you know that's been getting a lot better. I don't sneeze when I pee. I don't pee when I sneeze anymore. <laughs> good. So hey. that's good. Hey, <laughs> <It's a> tidying <laughs> up. You're making a new woman over here. Um, yeah, I mean, my postpartum periods were, I'm just trying to think like definitely depleted, depleted, a depletion that never got better. It was like, I was, um, I was tired from the birth and then I was still tired like three years later. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I never even recovered from the birth, at least the first time. Um, the second time I did a little bit better of like lying in and staying in and not really caring as much, but I had, um, a much, I had a tear, a fourth degree tear the second time. So I couldn't do as much, Mm -hmm. you know? So that forced me to sort of stay in bed. And the, the second baby was also a lot chiller. So she would be more likely to just like lie in bed with me. Mm -hmm. Um, but I I remember thinking kind of like, oh, I don't need, like, I might've heard of the 40 days postpartum, but kind of having like an arrogant attitude of like, I don't need that. Like, you know, maybe some people need that, but like, not me, but yeah, I needed that. That was, I wish I could. Your came crashing down. Like two years later, you're like, oh my gosh, should have done those 40 days. Like adrenal Mm -hmm. fatigue completely. Also like vegan, vegetarian. Mm -hmm. So not like rebuilding all the nutrients that I needed and just got to the point of such depletion where, you know, a Chinese herbalist was like, you got to eat some deer placenta, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, yeah. Did that help? 
yeah, it did. And then the second time I kept my, my, my real placenta. Cause I was mm-hmm. like the second time I'm just going to eat my own placenta right. mm-hmm. versus a deer's, even right. though deer is my spirit animal. So oh, it's kind of that's like, interesting. <laughs> is that a yeah. good or bad thing that you're yeah. eating it? That's it's supposed good. to be a good thing. I think Yeah, that's what I've heard. Yeah. The deer mm-hmm. placenta or placenta or you, in general. When you're connected with your animal or your animal mm-hmm. guide, mm-hmm. so like, you're called to eat it, but to embody it. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Love that. Well, I'll never eat a real deer, so maybe yeah. the placenta. Maybe the placenta. Was, that's the placenta it. was enough. Check mark. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Take that box. Okay, so you wish you did it. I wish mm. I did it, and I. But I also don't feel like I had the support around me to do it. Like I didn't have a postpartum doula. I had a husband who's very in his masculine, not understanding things like this. Um, pushy parents, pushy in-laws. So. And no energy to fight any of that, you know? So just sort of like mm-hmm. going, rolling with it. And and me, I felt like I was in survival mode, definitely. Like every day was a survival situation. You know, I was just like trying to make it through the day, trying to survive. Um, and it, it wasn't until I got help that I kind of was able to replenish some of my depletion. And I'm still in a de- replenishing mode, even though my, my youngest is now two, I'm still definitely in a, in a re, uh, oh, rebuilding. I've just yeah. started my recovery in Valentine's full. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's I also breastfed for thing. five years to- total. So wow. that's, that's seriously depleting. depleting. Yeah. And Dr. Saralak, do you have you? Mm-mm. Okay. He's amazing. He just wrote this book, The Depletion Cure. Mm-hmm. I need he's to read pretty it. incredible. He's Australian. And <gasps> he's Australian. He's Follow- my kind. Oh, yes. Oh, you need to have, he's incredible. I, I have such a crush on him. Um, not a real crush. Yeah, <laughs> she just had to clear that. Yeah, Don't clear worry, that. we have Not lots a real of crushes. Crush, just a, a fact that there's a doctor that A doula crush. Yeah, a doula crush, totally. Just in case a husband's yes. listening. Um, but he's really amazing, and he started studying this subject of postpartum after having watched his wife go through mm. three births, one after the other after the other. And so it's a lot of nutrition meditation, clearing the decks. But he has this great saying, you do not have visitors, you have staff. So mm, everyone that I comes like to it. visit you mm, has like a job guy. and a role, and they do not stay very long. Oh, I and this guy he, too. But he says that the postpartum period is seven years, wow. or up to seven years. So if you're in that seven years, don't think that you're not still recovering, mm-hmm. and you don't deserve that time and respect mm-hmm. to heal your body. I you think do. we are living in a time where it's as hard as it it has ever been because of the systems in our society mm-hmm. and just the pressures we put on ourselves yeah. as modern day women. Yeah, the, the oh, going, just going, go, going, go, going go, 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 totally. And it's almost like if you're not go, 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 go and creating careers and working on this and or just like whatever you may be doing, I kind of feel like I'm not being productive. Mm-hmm. The idea of just allowing myself time to replenish for yeah. 40 days especially seems like I instantly get anxiety and guilt over that mm-hmm. like and I'm thinking where did that come from what am I adapting to is it just this current modern age that we're led to believe that's what the modern day woman looks like or is it my own sense of achievement so I'm out there putting so much energy out creating things mm-hmm. or what is it but it's very interesting to just stop for a second and think you know, what really matters, what the quality of life is dictated by our health. 
I mean, our, our body temple dictates our happiness and what we create and how we create things. So it's the number one priority. And you can't be a good yeah. mother unless you yourself have the energy to mm-hmm. yeah. be with that, that child yeah, in, in the present. most, yeah, be present with them yes. and not distracted by your pain or the depletion, however that's showing up. Exactly. So yeah, it is such, it's just good to, to speak to you and realize that it's insane that that's lost wisdom and that we weren't even really savvy to it. So didn't apply it, but yeah. And you do all this work to get pregnant sometimes and to have a baby and to plan for it and save and all of this. And then you have the baby and then it just, it, you're forgotten. The mom is forgotten Mm -hmm. in the peace and the mom is the everything. Mm -hmm. Everything comes from mother. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And you know, and I love talking to partners too and saying, look, this is an investment. This is an investment in your family. This is totally. an investment of all of y'all's mental health. Yeah, the mother You're, is the son. Yeah, exactly. She needs to be beaming. If and life this flows. is, you know, I mean, I'm a, I love therapy, but if you, if mom can get the loving care and support, she's going to be happier. She's going to be healthier. She's going to be thriving. And your marriage isn't going to fall apart. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, yeah, we all go through happens. marriage stuff, obviously. It's a long journey, but bolstering yourself to thrive. That's what the 40 day is. It's setting yourself up to move forward with strength and grace and be a healthy mom. Mm-hmm, mm. It's so important. Oh my so gosh. Important. Wow. Should I give my little story? I'll just give you cliff yeah. notes yeah. on my postpartum yeah. experience. Okay. So, um, there are parts of it, which was really, which was traumatic. So I feel as I've blocked a bit out. I know. I felt the same way when I was trying to remember. <laughs> like, I was like, like oh. a little hazy, but you well, know, in it, so it's a it's safety hard. mechanism yeah. for mm-hmm. the brain to kind of block it out. So we do it again. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so we forget how traumatic it was. So just do it again. Um, <laughs> but if I really go back, I can really get in touch with the visceral sensations and where I was at, um, like in my body, I can go back to that space. And firstly, you know, I think postpartum, your experience of postpartum is affected of how your birth goes, you know, whether you had a C-section and then what the recovery looks like with that, or whether you had a natural birth and how that went for you, or if you um, had a medicated birth, whatever it may be. So my context of my postpartum, I think, was affected by my intense natural birth. It was at home. And, oh boy, I was not prepared for the level of, let's say, sensation mm-hmm. um, that I experienced. And um, I find myself very, um, I'm pretty tough when it comes down to pain tolerance. And so that's what they all uh, say. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) That's that's what I'm saying. It had to be pretty big in order Mm -hmm. for me to say that. And so it really took the winds out of my sail. Um, The val and you know, I I always, whenever I share the story, I start by saying every birth is so unique. Every woman's bone structure and body and and um, baby size is all different. So you can never compare someone else's birth and yeah. say yours is going to be like this. But Valentine had a particularly large head. I think it was like 99th percentile and I don't have the widest hips. So I think that it was particularly intense because it was a quick birth and it was, I had to open quickly and then he rushed out wow. quickly. And so that birth left me feeling completely out of my body. I think the pain I was passing out between contractions to cope with the pain, the pain receptors, I think just conked me out. 
And I think that because of the context of my birth and my personal experience with it, it was too um, much for me to come back into my body too soon. So after I gave birth, I felt completely disconnected, disconnected from my body, disconnected from the baby, disconnected from my husband. I, it was almost like an existential experience where I was out of body looking down and could see what was happening, but couldn't relate to it. And I wasn't Mm. embodying it really. Mm -hmm. So I think that because of that, I couldn't eat as well. And I think that I was physically in shock. Um, And so for how long did that last? I mean, it was really intense for the first week, I would say. Um, and then I forced myself to eat and I started, um, just very slowly moving and, and trying to get back into my body and be doing grounding kind of practices to bring things back in. But I was really knocked around and I wasn't ready to get out of bed for at least 10 days. I think I ventured outside after the 10th day, but only because of my mental Mm -hmm. space saying I'm going stir crazy and I can hear the birds outside. I just need sun on my skin and I just need to move my body. And I made it about half a block. And then I was like, get me back. Like I could just feel my mental space needed that or thought it needed that, but my physicality wasn't there yet. So I I should... I, looking back, I, I wish I had applied the 40 days, but it was, um, it was really intense for me, that postpartum period. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't suffer from postpartum depression, which I know is a very common experience mm-hmm. for women. Um, but I did suffer from um, kind of, um, I was discombobulated with integrating the role of mother into my every moment and every day life and my relationships, my, my relationship with my partner. And I just, even though it was so natural to be a mother and I was so, once I started coming back into my body, I was so relieved to feel I was connected to my child. Mm-hmm. Cause that was a huge mm-hmm. worry for me to not feel anything. I was like, maybe I'm never going to feel anything. Maybe I'm just a terrible mother. I just don't connect with this human. What's going on? But then as I started coming back into my body and started closing, which the breastfeeding obviously is a huge help with that, mm-hmm. I started feeling connected to Valentine and then started feeling more um, into the process, embracing motherhood. But there was still an element of like, how do I integrate the identity I've been attached to my whole life of the maiden and freedom and spontaneity and being in my body and whatever it may be and being a sexual person and whatever it may be to now this being such a, um, such a massive calling for me. It was hard for me to integrate those two things. So yeah, that's kind of my main postpartum experience. I took my placenta as well. Proud to say my um, midwife (laughs) said it was a very juicy, healthy looking placenta. She's like, damn, that's a steak right there. So I started taking my placenta and it was so rich that I started breaking out. Wow. And even though everyone's saying, take your placenta, um, I think that I just needed to listen to my body's cues mm-hmm. and know what was too much. And I pulled back on that a bit. Mm-hmm. But it did help Sometimes for a while. Sometimes it's too much for people. Yeah. I think yeah. That, w- that was my case. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was, mm. that was my experience. And sleep. 
Do we want to talk about sleep? Because I tell you what, (laughs) that was honestly like sleep is the make or break of your life with or without kids. But once you've cracked open into your fresh out of the birthing situation and in the postpartum when you're really about discovering this child and recovering sleep is just I would say it's the number one medicine yeah I agree well and lack of sleep can be the number one factor that makes you go crazy exactly that was my case I was literally swinging punches at Carrie it was, it was like ducking and weaving. I'm like, ah! It's like, what is going on? It's like, I mean, it's torture. It's the torture. lack of sleep, it's, you know, yeah. that is a form of torture. I, I felt so, myself go insane. Yeah. I, You're like, there was. I'm insane. I mean, that's a lot of the anxiety and depression. It was really scary. You know, is wrapped up in is sleep. Is wrapped up so much in sleep. Because doesn't sleep affect all your hormones? Everything. everything so, of course, yeah. it's going to affect whether you feel you're getting that serotonin or you're feeling depressed. And that's why the thing about the 40 days of not having a lot of visitors, because you don't ever know when you are getting those opportunities to sleep. You don't know when baby's going to sleep. You know, during the day, we want to sleep because we've been up all night. Mm. So, that's another factor of only having a visitor stay for 20, 30 minutes tops so you can sleep. You really Smart. have to make yourself sleep when baby sleeps. And everyone says that everyone and it's annoying that. to hear that. And you're like, Ugh, whatever. But you have to bank it up because you don't know what your night holds. It's so true. so true. And it's so hard to when you've got this little miracle in front of you. I remember not wanting know, to close my eyes. And watch just, them breathe. Yeah, like watch them breathe <laughs> yeah. for hours and hours yeah. and days and days. But yeah. you kind of got to prioritize sleep. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of time, prioritizing good sleep. This week's sponsor, which is Avocado Mattress, is an amazing help to get you that good night's sleep. Oh my gosh. Avocado is not only our sponsor. I'm obsessed with avocado. Seriously, like the the product, avocado products I use have changed my quality of sleep. I'm, I'm obsessed. And, and I remember when I first gave birth to Valentine, I was so paranoid about him because we co-slept. I was so paranoid about him breathing in toxins and glues and like weird chemical stuff and fibers because they're such incredibly precious, fresh little mm-hmm. bodies. You don't want to pollute them. And I could sleep like truly rested when I realized that that's one thing I didn't have to stress about. He was on an organic, incredible, ethical, eco-friendly, non-toxic, green, organic, everything amazing mattress. Mm -hmm. And I could just have a peaceful sleep and know that I didn't have to worry about that. And it's an investment. Mm-hmm. I could not speak more highly about avocado. I'm seriously obsessed. Totally. I mean, it is an investment. If you think that we sleep for eight hours a day when we're lucky, that's like one third of our life. That's like 33 years solidly of sleeping, you know, and during that time we're dreaming, we're getting into our unconscious, we're recalibrating. It's like that time is really crucial, you know, and same thing I feel with avocado. It's like, I want everything in my life to be in alignment with my core values. And that's one of the reasons why I love avocado and why we are so proud to have them as one of our sponsors. And also supporting companies who are of this new paradigm way mm-hmm. where you can have luxury and high quality comfort and an experience, but it be for the betterment of the planet. Mm-hmm. It be eco and it be considering, you know, all the important things sustaining our planet. 
Definitely. So we're obsessed with them. Yeah. And honestly, whenever we find products and companies that we use and we seriously vet and we've researched, we want to share with you guys. You're our community. We're like-minded and we want to share our little gems with you. So that's why we have Avocado on as our sponsor. We love you. Thank you so much for supporting us. We support you. And Pick up your discount code in the show notes for this episode. Perfect. Yep. Amazing. Well, let's get back to it, shall we? Um, did you find that sleep was easier for you the second time? Like, did you not have like that depletion of sleep and that craziness? I slept so well. Oh my God. That was probably why you just had such a different experience because you can integrate everything once you're well rested. And everything feeds everything. Mm -hmm. So that's the thing with the 40 days is the food affects my nervous system, which then affects my ability to sleep, which then gets me the sleep, which then affects my mental health. I mean, it all just feeds each other. It's a you know, cycle. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, I slept. Whenever she slept, I slept. Um, I co-slept with her, and then we also got the snoo. I was going to oh, ask you my about gosh. the snoo. I was just talking about the snoo last night. Every single one of my girlfriends, second time, I was like, I am not messing around this time. I'm getting that MF snoo. Yeah. 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 My husband was actually... He was one that was investigating and found it and sent me this, the website. He was like, we are getting the snoo. It's a game changer, It's isn't a game it? changer. And I was like, no, that sounds crazy pants. I'm not getting this thing to rock my baby. Cut to, I got it. <laughs> but I, 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 I bought it half price off of a client of mine. And now you can rent them even. So you oh, can, brilliant. Yeah, you can try them out. And, um. They are a little bit controversial, but I loved it. And she was sleeping through the night so early. And it was oh, honestly, amazing. if you, <sighs> and I like to rationalize everything. So when I did the money, it was like $6 a day. Uh-huh. So if you think of $6 a day for your mental, mental health, health just I mean, it's nothing. It's you just nothing. cut out your bulletproof coffee and you're good. Yeah. You're equal. I mean, and you know, if you have a night nurse, which I love night nurses, I love night doulas, but there, you know, it can run you like two fifty a night. So, mm-hmm. anyway, it's just more information. People should investigate if that speaks to them or not. But it was a savior because I literally had PTSD from not sleeping for three years. I mean, I was off my gourd, and not really to the outside world. I looked like I was great, but inside, I was just every every time nighttime would come around, I'd start getting really stressed and anxious that mm. I wasn't going to sleep, which probably caused insomnia. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I just would stare and be so upset, and you know, just stare at the ceiling. And oh, what just, torture! It's torture. Oh you know. So tell us about your experience with postpartum depression, because you said that you said you got anxiety. Yeah, I got anxiety, which is actually a lot more common than the depression. I mean, all of these things look differently, so. Mm. That's why that inner knowing of who you are and your mental health and your own body before you get pregnant and before postpartum really helps you because you know your body. Having said that, though, you also go through major chemical changes through pregnancy and postpartum. So having professionals, having resources, having people you can call and just say, is this normal? Is this not normal? I mean, a lot of my work is just normalizing it for people. So what would, because I was also very anxious postpartum and I'm just never thought of myself as having like a separate, you know, postpartum anxiety. I just always thought I was anxious. Mm-hmm. Like that's just a manifestation mm-hmm. of my anxiety. But what would be like some abnormal signs to look for that would be like a postpartum anxiety that you would need to like get some take help. action on? Help. Yeah. Having recurring thoughts over and over and over and over. Um, insomnia, like if you actually can't sleep when the baby's sleeping, mm-hmm. that's a big sign. Even though you're exhausted, you can't sleep, Yeah, exactly. Right? Oh, you can't the turn the mind off. Mm-hmm. You're not eating. Um, 
no one's making you eat. You have no appetite. So mm-hmm. it's not it's not like dieting. It's like you have no appetite. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the dieting, you know, first off, that's a sign too because you're trying to control something mm-hmm. and you're not nourishing your body. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, then the deeper, scarier are like the psychosis where mm-hmm. you want to physically harm yourself or mm-hmm. your baby. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's if you have those thoughts, that can be very scary. Mm-hmm. Um, but talking to... Uh, you know, a therapist, someone that's really good just to talk through those things is mm-hmm. important because it doesn't make you a failure. It doesn't make no. you any of those things. It's just your mind has clicked over into something. You're, you know, our mind's always trying to protect us. Mm-hmm. So these things are signs that we need help and mm-hmm. that we're struggling. Yeah. Follow so the crumbs. Yeah. But then, you know, the nervous system, like going back to the vata, the more that you keep warm, you have the oil on you, you have the warming food, all of that affects the anxiety so much. So all of these diagnoses, I also feel can be inaccurate because if we just got the care that we really mm-hmm. need and deserve, mm-hmm. we wouldn't have that anxiety. Totally. And then that anxiety then feeds into depression because you're so exhausted. You're so exhausted. Yeah. And just all taken down by that anxiety that yeah. could cause you to, yeah. So how do you think, do you have any tips and tricks um, for people to avoid postpartum depression, psychosis, anxiety? Is there anything, I mean, obviously, as you said, like keep mm-hmm. the nourishing, warm foods, the just massages, overdo. sleep. Like if that's the one thing you could do, just don't overdo. Do not plan your life. Do not plan trips. Really take it down a notch and just honor this transition. This is a massive transition for every woman, especially your first baby. You're going from maiden to Mm -hmm. mother. Mm -hmm. Big one. Everything. Check it out. Everything changes. Everything (laughs) changes. Mm -hmm. And it's so massive. And just to think, oh, we have my baby and I'm healthy and they're healthy then just power on with your life. It doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. And that's like such a low bar. I'm really tired of hearing that. Totally. Well, at least the baby and I are happy and healthy. It's, no, 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 no. That's like the lowest denominator. Yeah. Also, piggybacking off that, I didn't feel like I could ask for help. Like I had mm. acquired this strange concept that I didn't need help. Like throughout mm. my life, I mm-hmm. had attached myself to this independence, this mm-hmm. identity of being independent, which led me to never really ask for help unless there was a serious breakdown. And even then I was hesitant. And that unfortunately showed up in my motherhood where mm. I didn't get any help because I we don't have any family in LA well we did but they weren't really available and my parents are in Australia and Carrie's parents are also out of LA so we didn't have any help but I was so anxious about allowing a nanny or Mm -hmm. someone in to help me with my baby that they wouldn't do it right or Mm -hmm. my baby was so attached to me I didn't want to kind of expose him to other energies or yeah, other totally. ways of doing things. I felt that in my family was I all just, here. Yeah, yeah. And the feeling of having to do it yourself can cripple you is yeah. my point. And once I got, I gave myself permission to just ask for help. It completely changed the yeah. game. I didn't feel like I had to do everything myself. And talking about if we're going to like transcend transition to a question about the men in a second, mm-hmm. but the men want to be of help. And a lot mm-hmm. of the time I feel like they don't know how to because it's such, it's so our Foreign. zone. Yeah. So I found that it really helped my marriage mm-hmm. and it helped my health and um, it just helped the whole situation when I clearly gave Kerry a role of how he could help in yes. these early postpartum days. So I would give him clear instructions, which men usually work really well with. Don't let them guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> So it would be 
in the morning when the baby wakes up at six for a feed, I'm going to roll over and go and sleep for an hour or two. I want you to take the baby after he's just been fed, change him, get him in the carrier and leave the house for two hours. I don't want to see you for two hours. And then he would have that bonding time with the baby. I could actually relax because the baby was out of the house and everyone wins. Yeah, that's so good. And it was just, and I I feel as though when he got home, he had another two hours or whatever it may be, but having those clear instructions where he could help just helped everyone. So don't be afraid to delegate girls. No, delegation is so key. Key. And it actually is better for our kids. I really do think they need a village also. Yes. And it makes them more pliable. It makes them know different people, different personalities. I mean, obviously you want really amazing people around your kids and in your home and around your family. But um, I've just seen with my kids having help and a nanny that is like part of our family now, it has made my kids so much more elastic Mm. and understanding of all different cultures and people. And it can be a plus. It doesn't have to be a minus, you know. Big time. It's a good way to think of it. And so should we talk about the men in this postpartum? (laughs) The men. (laughs) All those pool boys out there, those crushes. Let's talk about it. Come on, ladies. Reveal the crushes. We got your one over here, Jenna. Who are you crushing on? Um, Justin Trudeau. (laughs) Who's Mm -hmm. Oh, is that the singer? Prime Minister of Canada. Oh, the Prime Minister of Canada. I don't know. I can't explain it. I can't explain it. They're Canadians. They're good boys, Canadians. They're grounded. They love camping and nature. They're honest. Yeah. Yeah. I like Canadians. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We'll stick with Justin Trudeau. That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, anyway, before we get into mine, let's head it back to the real question, which is how can men help? How can they best help in these postpartum days? I think education to know how important it is is step one. So they're really coming from a place of heartfelt support. It's not just you telling them I need these things, but it, for them to get it and want to give it to you. Um, and men and historically you were with the women, you were birthing, the men were out protecting, they were circling around, they were keeping the fires going, they were keeping animals and they were out there waving the bat at all the, the saber tooth tigers. Exactly. Sure. Exactly. Sure. (laughs) Um, so giving them roles like that, like, babe, you are my support system. I need you there. I don't know necessarily what that even looks like, but I just need you to be present and loving and kind of tending that fire. So that looks really different to every person. So I love working with couples before babies here to get those roles. That is so you know? good because mm-hmm. I feel like men respond better to professional advice yes. rather than the <laughs> oh, women yes. telling them what you they need. A third party. They take you seriously if it comes from a third party. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay. Yeah. So it's like, okay, you can do the diapering, you know, say a man really doesn't like diapering. Like I can have feelings about that because I think all men should be able to diaper their kids, but say they're just really not going to do that. Okay. Well, what are other things you can do? Having water next to your wife or partner, you know, every time they're feeding a snack Mm -hmm. without asking what they want, you just bring something rubbing their feet when they're breastfeeding. Oh yeah. Now we're getting somewhere. Yeah. Or like, you know, that's great. I love that you got the baby out of the house so you really can let go. Like Mm -hmm. those things. And you're also allowing that bond to happen to them. Because what I do see a lot with women is we want to do everything because honestly we do it better. And we want to control (laughs) it. And we want to control it. But that will bite you in the ass, you know. Is it better to let your husband in the first couple weeks put the diaper on backwards, you know? (laughs) Done that before. Yeah, I mean like... 
let those things go and let the bond, which really matters, grow. True. So it's kind of also just being aware of your control issues and, and when to let go. To let go. Good point. And Be aware also, of your control issues. Yes. <laughs> that's a big one. <laughs> that's a difficult one. And that's an ongoing journey for me. <laughs> Parenthood for all of us. really is yeah. an opportunity to exercise letting go of control. Yeah. <laughs> More so than anything, it's great. Yeah. Um, so and I was just about to say, having this as a plan with your partner before the baby arrives is really important. Mm -hmm. It's key because then you don't have to guess. You don't have to have expectations that aren't being met. Totally. And what I always do is expect that he gets it. Like you can see I'm breastfeeding and doing the dishes and someone's ringing the doorbell and you're just sitting there. Like, can you not just take the initiative to do the dishes or say, Oh babe, I'll, I'll do that. Or I'll make dinner. I'll get the doorbell. And I would get stuck on why can't you just be intuitive enough like I would be to see I need mm-hmm. help and yeah. take the initiative. And he I said to me, thought so many times. I think it's a, I think it's a you know a, so a female common. male thing. And he just said to me, babe, just tell me what you want me to do. And I said, but I don't want to tell you. I, I want you to just know what to do. Yeah. And I think that is where we have to give up. Yes. At least me personally. Once mm-hmm. I gave that battle up and said very clearly, these are the roles, yeah. this is the schedule, this is the expectation, Every there was far less conflict to the house. Yes, I agree with all of that so much. Clear. Wow. So when you were in your 40 days, did your, did your husband like take the baby, interact with the baby, or was it mostly you with the baby? And do you think that affected the bond between your husband and your daughter? Such a good question. <laughs> Um, so this time around, my husband was like, you know, technically I can get seven weeks off work now. And I was like, mm-hmm, let's see what that looks like. Went to work the next day. <laughs> again, out of here. Again. Oh my God. Um, and you know, I've mixed emotions about it, but what his intention was, which really did work is he would go to work. He would take our daughter to school cause she's in school now. He'd go to work, he'd have all his meetings straight away, and then he'd pick her up at 2, 2.30, and then they would go to the park or have an adventure every day. So because we were such a strong trio, we didn't think we were having another kid. I didn't want another kid for a long time. and Because you're um, still so depleted from the first Exactly. Time. And I was an only. I loved being an mm. only. So it just really wasn't on my radar. Mm-hmm. But him doing that really kept her so secure because she did knock on wood amazingly well with the transition, but it's still, your mom is mm. taking over this baby now. I mean, it's so foreign. Mm-hmm. And I had this so, concept of your, your, the love of your life, you yeah. suddenly have to share with someone yes, else. Yes, and I was really worried about, you yeah. know, the, the week before I gave birth to Goldie Wolf, I, I had this day where I just laid in bed crying because it was so overwhelming. Like, can it's I even so love another person? Like, I don't mm-hmm. even understand, like, how yeah. I'm going to love someone like I love her. Mm-hmm. And... So on the one side, I wish that we had more days that we just laid in bed and cuddled. But at the other side, I just, he was doing the work that needed to be done to help Mm -hmm. kind of usher our new family together. Mm -hmm. And I think some dads don't bond as quickly because babies are like, it's just a lot with other babies, you know, when you're not breastfeeding and cuddling and they want mom. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, he definitely did skin to skin and cuddled and all of those things. He caught her actually. She was born in the call on my bed. And it was... mm -hmm. Ooh, you got a special one. It was incredible. I mean, the birth and it was... He's not generally... I mean, if if you had asked me 
15 years ago when I met him, if he would be catching our baby at our home birth on our bed, he's not that kind of guy. He is not that kind of man. He's very (laughs) science based and tech guy and. Well, see, even but the science-based guys are coming around. And he was so <laughs> empowered. I mean, yeah. I mean, he, he was even like, so I really want to come and talk to couples about the 40 days and home birth and like how men can support. And I was like, oh, <gasps> my oh, God. He's starting a men's I group. Oh. I know. Oh, it was it was incredible. So he he had a lot of his own journey this time oh, around, which is so beautiful. That's so beautiful. And now they're so bonded and... You know, they have their little baby dates, daddy dates, and, you know, so. Activation for the men. And it's different for everyone. I think just finding, you know, having that open communication and seeing ways that the men want to be involved too and like Mm -hmm. what sounds good to them. And a lot of times they have no clue because they haven't really thought about it, but just opening them up to the conversation. Mm -hmm. The second time mom situation is a big topic, right, me? In my current circle of girlfriends, everyone's on to number two. They've just popped number two out. I've got one, two, three, four, five or six. Wow. About five girlfriends this year have popped out the number two. And the number one conversation is the conversation around mama's guilt of it was so hard on them and their hearts to imagine splitting their attention between you know this the first child which has been the love of their life to a new one and they've all struggled massively with not only you know the um splitting their love and attention but just the workload that's demanded especially if the husband's out working one needs to be fed and played with and the other one is hanging off your boob and they are all in serious overwhelm Mm -hmm. and um really aren't coping well a lot of them Mm -hmm. so so I don't know what my question is. I, I guess my question is, yeah, um, how can uh, when a, a mom that's going in for the next round before the birth, how can she create a plan to avoid um, as much of a, a you know static in that yeah. transition? Help. Yeah, just I mean, organizing help. Just organizing help. You know, the timing of it also is a big factor. Um, so I was lucky with Jemima, she was almost six. So Mm -hmm. we were in a completely different place than having a two year old with a baby. Um, you had a mini helper, I had a mini helper and she was off living her life. She was in school. She had her friends, you know, she had her own thing. So it was a lot easier for me. I don't have a lot of advice. I just have a lot of empathy for women that have babies one or two years apart. But like the more you can plan for that, save for that, you know, that's the other thing is like all of this stuff is having help is a luxury, mm-hmm. but the more you can plan for that, you know, Make like what, yeah, what are you, money is meant to be spent well. So like, what are you prioritizing? Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe not go to Europe, but rather save that money towards. Yeah. Or like, you know, part of doing yeah. It. yeah. Exactly. And also just from my experience of having the two little ones, I think I heard a good quote that's like, when the baby comes out, the guilt comes in. Mm -hmm. And for me, I suffer a lot with guilt. So I think just um, basically looking at guilt as a force outside myself, where when it comes in, I don't listen to that voice. I'm Mm -hmm. like, that's not me. I'm going to categorically not listen to that, you know, Mm -hmm. and just pushing guilt out and just seeing it as part, a par for the course and just not giving into it, you know? Brilliant. Aligning with God. And that just dissolves. Align me with God. (laughs) Struck me with lightning. (laughs) 
Yeah. Well, I know we've got to wrap up soon, but I have one more super important question, which I know a lot of women are going mm-hmm. to be asking about breastfeeding, mm-hmm. nursing. That was such a huge thing for me in my postpartum phase, mm-hmm. which I wasn't prepared so, for. So no yeah. one told me or warns me about how difficult and tiring and just you know, um, physically challenging that aspect of postpartum Mm -hmm. can be. So, um, I was constantly dealing with, first of all, cracked, like Mm -hmm. cracking my nipples in was so Valentine also had a, um, a tongue tie, but I didn't get it cut. So I just Mm -hmm. kind of dealt with it until he got a proper latch on. I didn't know how to get him on a proper latch to begin with. And then I got clogged milk ducts mm. and then I nearly got mastitis and it was, it That's was very intense. war. It was like I was, mm-hmm. it, it felt like I was in war. So what can you offer as advice to women who are going into this phase around nursing and how best to just survive that? Again, education. So go to breastfeeding classes during pregnancy. A lot of women just think, oh, I don't really need to, I'm going to wing it. But it's all theoretical until you're in it and then you're having a latch problem and baby's screaming and it's so stressful. So just get the information. It'll kind of be in the back of your brain, but just kind of know the logistics because when you have the information, you can be at ease. Like my milk isn't supposed to be pouring out of my boobs on Mm -hmm. day three. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like you just, you know the process more. Then find great referrals, have trusted, you know, your doula or other referrals to get a great lactation consultant mm-hmm. that really knows what they're doing because a lot of them have differing information. So again, it's just education, someone that can come to your home, look at the latch, go to your pediatrician. They're looking a lot more now for the ties. You know, five years ago, they weren't as much. Hmm. Can so, we talk about why every kid has a tongue tie? I mean, I can't wrap it up in a very quick sentence, but I do think it's more awareness. And I also think there are different um, things such as a methylfolate issue that a lot of us women have that our babies have the tongue ties a lot. So we're lacking a specific nutrient, yeah. which then... And it makes it grow more. Methylfolate, I've also heard it's good for star seeds, just to throw that out there. Oh, Okay. So they're they're different options and they're different they're different people that are great um, baby dentists in LA that can treat and treat with craniosacral and there are lots of different ways. Sometimes you know if it's not that severe, you can just work on the latch and it's tissue so it can stretch. Other times it's really a problem. So going to a good professional that can delineate between the two. Gosh, the idea of and getting just having snipped. support, having just support. Just a snip. Mm-hmm. I did it with Goldie Wolf and it I mean it was uh, you know, it's a thing and your baby's crying and it's not easy. And you have to do these, the worst is like the stretches. You have to go in there <gasps> and rub it and it's and a whole thing. And like hers even grew back some oh because gosh. it is tissue. Ugh. But, you know, you, you deal with all these things, especially if you're going to good people that you trust. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just having the support, having your partner or your doula or whoever is helping you prop baby up on the pillows, getting in comfortable positions. I mean, that's a lot of it. Saving your shoulders, your back, your neck. Um, having good nipple cream, knowing about mastitis, knowing when to be pumping if you need to, when not to be pumping. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are a lot of parts to it. There are a lot of moving parts, but you the more that you're nursing you just, 101 before you, you totally pop do. The baby yeah, up. you do. And then also know that it's your, if you are breastfeeding, 
just commit that it's your full-time job. You really shouldn't be doing totally. anything else besides that. Because you know? it's so draining too. It's so it's draining. Like you and need it's, that it's like every hour, every yeah. two hours around the clock. Yeah. It's also extremely important for the baby. Yeah. Like that eye gazing and totally. connection in those early days with yeah. the baby during breastfeeding creates pathways in the brain. Or feeding that, in general. Yeah. 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 yeah, exactly. And if you can't nurse, then any type of feeding, obviously that eye gazing is part of that development like crucial development yeah. with the child and just that skin to skin i mean oh. however you feed is so important mm-hmm. but the interesting thing about breastfeeding too is the more the, especially that first week and the first couple of days the more that baby's actually suckling on your nipple you're creating more receptors to actually have the milk come out if you can imagine that wow. so i believe it so you mm-hmm. just had like five receptors and then baby's nursing all the time they're growing and growing and growing so you're able to produce mm-hmm. more and release more and also just it's like so if you're not producing, just let the baby suckle because yeah. as they suckle, you exactly. produce. It's like when yeah. you're producing. So And do yeah. some dotes on diet. Anytime the baby cries, stick them on the nipple. Yeah. That's my advice. Had to get it in there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Good. <laughs> do some dotes with diet for, for, I know the babies get gassy and all kinds of issues. I know we got to wrap up, but I, this is important. Like no wheat, dairy. Are there any specific foods which create issues that the baby gets through the breast milk dietary wise? You know, every woman is so different that I, I tend to not make those proclamations because I feel like then women cut everything out and you're losing a lot of nutrients. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people say, here's a list, don't touch these. I don't really say that. I say, what is your diet? What are you used to? Eat that. Make sure you're getting enough good fats, enough protein, enough nutrients, enough good carbs, people. LA is so fearful of carbs. But, you know, just really getting nourished. And then if baby is showing signs, then you can, you know, try to experiment. Elimination. Eliminate. Yeah. 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 Good advice. Yeah. Everyone's unique and mm-hmm. different. Beautiful. Well, I could just keep going. I know. I we know. could just I, have you here literally come back. all day. I know. Yeah, There's I would so love much to talk too. about. Yeah. It's layers and layers. I we'll know. think of another topic so we get to have okay, you back. Sweet. Thank, Thank you, you so, so much. Fun. much. You. This is incredible. So we offer an invitation to our listeners at the end of every episode, something for them to try on mm-hmm. and integrate what we're learning today into their own lives. So do we have an invitation for today, Jenna? Uh, Yeah, we do. So if you're in the postpartum phase or are anticipating being there soon, or I'm going to add, if you had been there, but you still aren't fully healed or replenished from it, make a support plan with some of the suggestions that we talked about today. Don't feel like you have to be a super mom. Just get help and get organized. Exactly. And where can everyone find you? Tell us, Facebook, website, what you're Mm -hmm. up to. People are going to be like... (laughs) Your phone's probably Thank ringing you. right now Thanks. after this episode. Um, on Instagram, I'm Mother the Mother, and then I'm www.motherthemother.com. Nice. And Such a great name. Thank you. And I'm actually going to start a podcast soon, <gasps> so Yay! I'd love to have you ladies on if you yes. feel so called, um, because just so, there's so much to be spoken about in the birth world, you know, and that's I, I want to kind of be everything under the umbrella of mother, but specifically postpartum. Brilliant. And some of the births. Needed. So. Such a good. Yeah. Yeah. And we will link that as soon as it's up. We'll we'll link your podcast okay, to this amazing. too thank so you. that they can thank find you. you. Thank yeah. You. Brilliant. Well, thank so you lovely. so much thank for you. being with us. We adore you. Thank you. And for everyone else listening, thank you so much for being part of the conversation today. We really appreciate mm-hmm. that you're with us learning about this and spreading the good word. And speaking of spreading the good word, if you did appreciate this week's episode, please share it. Leave us a review on iTunes. 
it, that really helps us grow and continue to put the love and light out there. Mm. You're an integral part of this journey. So thank you. And Thanks, guys. yeah, we'll, we'll have you with us next week. Ta-ta for thank now. You. See you soon. Bye. Visit our website, themotherlovingfuture.com for more information. And please leave us a five-star review on iTunes if you like what you hear. We read every single review and comment, and we are so grateful for your support. See you next week.